Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Megan's old office on take number three for this episode. Oh, you don't even know the mistakes that I've already experienced. It's all my fault. I am with uh, uh, Jonathan Mueller, who is our engineer and our producer. Good morning, Jonathan. Good afternoon, wherever you are. And I'm with, of course, as usual, Keith Holmes, who is now our director of uh, mission and small group activities. Uh, you were looking well. Well, thank you. How are you? Are you are too, regardless uh, of how many takes. How, yes, regardless of how many mistakes I have made, thankfully you don't know uh, because they go into the garbage can. Uh, welcome everyone to Megan's Old Office where today we begin a new series, uh, a seven-part series on the seven last words of Jesus. Now, um, you might be thinking in terms that there were seven total words that's uh, that Jesus said, and we're going to examine. No, that's not how it works. There are seven different separate things that Jesus says. This is something that has been uh, developed over many years and studied over many years. And so we're going to have uh, seven episodes in which we take each one of those seven last words, as it were, and examine them for you. And uh, so here we are. We're going to start with the topic of forgiveness. We're going to be looking at the passage uh, from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 34. Keith is going to be reading that in a moment. Uh, and it's really our focus is about uh, forgiveness. These are the, the, like I said, these are the seven last words, these moments where Jesus is dying and the things that he says to those who witness that. So uh, just to prep us, to get us going, uh, Keith, I, I want to ask you, which one, uh, which one, your heart or your head, which one understands forgiveness, God's forgiveness, better, do you think? Your heart or your head, or is there even a difference in your well, opinion? For me, yes, that my head understands God's forgiveness because the Bible has said it, I've read it, I believed it, um, I believed it in my heart. However, my heart, when I'm in the midst of sin or when I'm in the midst of something, if I slip and sin and, and, and again, and my head just goes, okay, I'm forgiven. You know, but my heart goes, are you really? Mm. You know, Satan just loves to twist the knife and say, should you go to God in the state you're in? Mm -hmm. Should you approach the pure and holy God? And and I feel that that's more of a heart condition than it is a head condition mm -hmm. for me. Because, you know, logically, I, I get it. I don't know if that's appropriate to say logically I understand God's forgiveness because who can? But, I mean, it, it fits. My, my brain understands that for me better than my heart does sometimes. Yeah, I think I would answer very similarly that I, I've always said I think my heart is way ahead, or my head is way ahead of my heart. Right. That my brain understands the concept of forgiving someone and being forgiven. Yeah. I think you said it well, how could I ever understand the forgiveness of God fully? I, you know, that's true. But I'm just, I, just in the basic concept of what forgiveness is. And I think also when I read scripture and I read about Jesus and what he is, he's the atoning sacrifice. If I read the Old Testament and read about the, the sacrificial system, and here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as, right. as John the Baptist says. And I'm like, okay, one dies, and this one is holy and perfect, and he is the Son of God, and he dies for us in his death the perfect sacrifice atones and forgives our, our sin. My brain is like, no, that is incredible. I get that. Right. But then, so the question that I'm asking has to do with, you know, how far does that seep in to your heart where it's like uh, it, uh, you feel that? 
that, you right. know, because that's when we're talking about our heart, we're talking about what we feel, right. not what we understand, not right. logic, not facts, but 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 feelings, emotion, uh, a sense of peace. How much does that permeate? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, things, yes, and it gets there when the times are good, right? It's, it's I'm very typical that re- in that regard. When times are good. I'm feeling great. God's on my side. He has forgiven me. Yeah. And then I hit a wall or something happens or, or you know, some something. Or, or And again, somebody else does something to me. And now I have to extend forgiveness through grace, right? <laughs> right. You know? You're going to open up that can. It's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed to flow through, right? Not just to us, but through us. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that's when my heart just kind of goes, no, yeah. that person's a jerk. They've hurt me. I'm not going to forgive them. Do I really want them in heaven with me? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, right. it's those kinds. Under of the assumption that you have some choice <laughs> exactly. over that. Exactly. Right. I mean, you know. Right. So, um, so that's the kind of thing where it's like my heart lags behind in that regard. I love how you say that. Your head is ahead, uh, far ahead of your heart. It's true. My heart lags. Well, this is the fascinating thing about forgiveness, isn't it? In, in that. Okay, it strikes, the idea of God's forgiveness lands right in this place where it is a a struggle for our brains, and it's a struggle for our hearts, and that struggle is good. And I've known people who, um, who are different from me in that I look at them, and clearly their heart is constantly, every day, every moment, affected and filled with the idea that they're forgiven by God. And these are people who are you know, singing God's praises, you know, right. they're listening to the great Christian music and they're singing those songs and they're they're filled with this joy and this sense of peace and and this feeling of being right with God. Right. And uh, and their hearts are ahead of their heads because maybe they can't sit down and write a paper about the specific, you know, the the, the, the atoning sacrifice. Exactly, yeah, the yeah, meaning yeah. of all this. But yeah. they just know. Right. That they're forgiven and that they're right with God and they're rejoicing in the price that was paid for their forgiveness. And, and so their hearts are just filled. And uh, I'm not saying that mine's not. Right. I'm just saying when the rubber hits the road, it's my brain that sits there and starts and says, J.D., remember, you're forgiven. This makes sense. This makes sense. Right. Rather than my heart kicking in and, and feeling that. And I just wonder where everybody is on that scale. And I, I, not that one is better than the other, but that we're just very different. We're all very different. And I am definitely an emotional feeling kind of guy. And to, for me to say, there's that one part of me where forgiveness is much more understandable to my head than my heart. Yeah. I don't know what that says about me or anything like right. that. And maybe others are listening or are the same way. It's like, yeah, I get forgiveness, right? I get it. Right. I just don't like doing it, and I just don't understand it sometimes, how this wonderful God could forgive me. And that's the emotion. That's not the brain thing. Right. Right? That's the emotion just flowing in and going, oh, I'm so rotten. I'm terrible. Why could why could God, how could God ever forgive me? And yet, he does. Yeah. And sometimes that just shuts your brain off. Yeah, that's really... And as I preach and as I teach... I can feel the crowd, um, and the crowd is not unified. There's examples of, of each, of everything in the, in the crowd, no matter how large or small the crowd is. And, and, and some people want the sermon or want the message to really uh, speak to their heart, and others are out there wanting to be convinced. They're wanting to, right. their brain to, to be converted. Um, and neither, again, neither one of them is, is, is wrong. We need both of them. 
I just want to point out that there's a great difference, that we are both, that God made us both brain-oriented and heart-oriented, logic and, and reason and fact-oriented, and emotion-feeling-oriented. Uh, and, uh, and the gospel and the idea of forgiveness can appeal and can work and can be accepted by both, but I'll just bet that whoever's listening right now, you're in a different place with God's forgiveness, Amen. either with your head or, or with your heart, and it, it's just something that I hope that everybody can it, take a moment with yeah. us to examine exactly. today. Think about, think about and so we're talking about the seven last words of Jesus Christ, the seven last phrases of Jesus Christ at the very end of his life, and we're going to go first uh, here in this series to Luke chapter 23. Keith is going to read this. This is uh, Luke 23, uh, verses uh, 32 through 34, and Keith, do you have an open Question for I us. Do, right? These are just a couple is, verses. So we're going to look at the we're going to look at the the surface, but I also want you to be thinking beyond this because the question is simple, but it's deceptively simple. Right? <laughs> right. What and who are killing Jesus? Because we are talking about the last moments of Jesus on Earth, and so what and who are killing? What Jesus? is it that's killing Jesus, right. and who is it? And who? Is it? Yeah. Right. right. Okay. So, like I said, deceptively simple because there are two very easy answers. Right. Here. right. And right. so, but let's let's talk. Let's look a little deeper. All right, this is Luke 23, 32 through 34. Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that, they, that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. That's all there is to that passage. That's that's all I'm doing. Got a sense that there's a lot going on there, right? Like I said, deceptively so. So what and who are killing Jesus? Well, let's get the obvious. I get to go first, so I get to take the easy ones out first. All right. What and who are killing Jesus? Well, the Jewish leaders, Mm -hmm. uh, the leaders of the Jewish people, the leaders of the temple, uh, the Sanhedrin, uh, are killing Jesus, and they're. And they're be- and he's being killed by the Roman soldiers. There you go. Uh, but your question is a really good one because then if we ask it again, once we get those obvious, right. those two groups of people are killing Jesus. But let's ask it again: What and who are killing Jesus? What do you think well, beyond then, that? Then then we get to the classic. Sunday school answer, which is me and you. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, the, if we dare to put ourselves into that story. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And and for those of, who, of you who may not have grown up in Sunday school, Jesus died for our sins. And so it is our sins that he that he is hanging on that cross for. Mm-hmm. And, and, and everyone else who accepts him as Lord and Savior, their sins are atoned for. That's what atone, the atoning sacrifice meant, is, is that... Jesus paid the price for us. So you're going really deep water here when you say, uh, when the question is, what is killing Jesus? And you're saying, well, our sin is killing Jesus. Uh, If it wasn't for our sins, there wouldn't be any need for him to go through this at all. So so that is true. Uh, But when we bring it back to the Jews and the and the uh, Romans, and your your point is about, hey, we, we're there, we kill him. It's easy for us to read this story, as it is with anything in the Bible, and just read it as if it's some sort of trivial historical moment that other people, people other than us, that's that's what they did, but that's not what I would do. But good, good readers of Scripture, if you're going to read Scripture well, 
And I often say the Bible assumes that you're a good reader. That's not necessarily true. But if you're going to read it well, um, you need to be a good reader. And the way to be a good reader in this passage is to say, well, how am I like the Roman soldiers? Uh, and, you know, where is that commonality? Where is that connection point between me and a Roman soldier in this specific scene? And where is that connection point in my life between me and the, and the Sanhedrin, the, the, the Jewish leaders who did this? And so who and what killed, uh, are killing Jesus? It's a series of arrogance that's killing uh, Jesus. It is this uh, complete rejection uh, of Jesus and this form of him as being God. Um, it's the sense that I don't need somebody like this guy. That's what's killing Jesus. And so now with those answers, I start to get a little bit more into the story. Yeah, it was Romans and Jews 2,000 years ago that did this. But the same attitudes live in me that lived in them. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. No, I, I, I have nothing to add to that. You, you covered that. No, I'm sorry. I talked well. too much. No, 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 no. You did not. No. Um, I think, yeah, to the to that point, it's it, to your point, it, we have to get ourselves into the story because otherwise it's just a nice story that Jesus died for our sins. Oh, that's nice. And how many of us have, I mean, I personally grew up like that. Though that's a nice story until I finally got to a point where it was like, oh, wait, you know, we talked about that head and heart, our right. first question. You know, when in my head and my heart finally got to a point in my life where it was like, oh, he died for me. Yeah, now you're involved. Now I'm invested. Worse yeah. than that, though, Keith, we can look at this almost completely and purely as a historian, and we just say, you know, in uh, this region, there was a guy who claimed to be God. Uh, his name was Jesus, and they crucified him. End. End of story. And then we move on to some kind of discussion of Augustus Caesar or, right. or whatever, or uh, whoever else. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah. Some kind of a, a historical listing of events that happened in this region or some other. Hey, George Washington was the president from this year to that year, and, and that's it. That's it yeah. um, uh, the Bible uh, assumes that you're going to go beyond that and, and dare to go beyond that you're going to care enough to sit there and say, okay, this guy. Uh, died in this time, and this is how I'm personally involved. That's what I'm, you know, that what we're really trying to push everybody to 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 to, to think about when we say what and who uh, killed Jesus. We did, um, and we still do with the same kind of attitudes of rejection uh, and of uh, of arrogance uh, towards uh, towards him. Um, so, moving on to what Jesus says, the seven last words of, of Jesus. This is the first installment of that, and the first installment is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. When, when does he say that, and what is he, what is he saying? And when does he say what he says? Always, well, obviously, hanging on a cross. <laughs> right. And, 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 and he, he is showing, I guess, I mean, absolutely monumental forgiveness right just know, to be right? able as he's dying to say father forgive them for they do not know what they do that's the way i learned it but you know they don't know what they're doing right and and, and i mean but jesus did god does know what is happening right. god ordains this to happen to save us from our sins and they were they were included the romans were included the jewish leaders were included in all of it, right? That they exactly. could they could be forgiven right. their sins. They right. chose not to. Exactly. And he uses them to to fulfill his plan. Right. And and so when he says it, he, when does he say it? He says it at a time 
when he shows us what true forgiveness looks like. Good, well said. He says it at a time when none, no, it doesn't make any sense to say. Exactly. So he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. They know not what they do. Um, this is what he says. This is familiar to anybody who's read the Gospels. Uh, this moment for Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. When does he say that? Like you said, when he's nailed to a cross, nailed naked to a cross as a criminal. Uh, he says this when he's been uh, abused and rejected. Um, he's got nails in his hands and his feet. Uh, he's struggling to breathe. He's suffocating. His heart is failing. Um, he's in excruciating pain. It's in that moment that he says, forgive them, Father. They don't know, know what they, they're doing. When you think about that, I'm going to use the word obnoxious in this series of seven episodes. I'm going to use that. This is my first time I'm going to use the word obnoxious. It is obnoxious that, that uh, in the midst of, of, of severe personal physical suffering, he stops to say, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you step back from that and you think about your own pain inflicted upon you in your life, by me or anybody else in your life, you think about those moments. Uh, where you're suffering at your greatest pain, whether it be physically and more likely emotionally, the last thing you're going to do is look up to God and pray. He's, he's praying on their behalf, yeah. on the behalf of people who've driven the nails into his hands, yeah. who have rejected him. And he's saying, you know something, Father? I want you to forgive them, for they don't know what they're They know not what they're doing. If you think about that, again, obnoxious when he does this, under what condition he does this, Especially compared to us, when we're upset and when we're hurting, the last thing I'm wanting to do is forgive you when you've hurt me. Yep. You know, and then and to you, pray on your behalf. And you don't have to do that much. Cutting me off in traffic usually gets me <laughs> to that moment emotionally where I'm not about to forgive you and I want to speed up and cut you back off, you know, and teach you a lesson or, you know, I, I think of just the trivial times when we get upset with our fellow human beings and here's a guy, God on, God on earth, I mean, you know, not to mention the, everything you mentioned, but he also got whipped 39 times oh, yes. and his ribs barely were showing, right? right? He barely He's survived. nailed to a cross, a rough wooden cross. It, it, it's just, you, you said obnoxious and it's so true. It's like, how could you do this right and yet he does you talk about unfathomable grace of god right but you said it earlier you, you referenced it earlier about how hey you know we're supposed to move this forward we're supposed right. to forgive because right. we've been forgiving you made right. reference yeah. to that about five minutes back or so and it's of course that is the model of christianity that's the way it is supposed to be <laughs> but in the moment that you are supposed to do that you're suffering right. when you're you're angry at this person you're hurt right um you're having pain, and yet that pain isn't anything compared to the pain, the physical pain, and the emotional pain that he is having right. of being rejected by his own by his own people right. uh, in, in in this way. And yet he does that. And so, you know, to your point of, you know, moving it forward and sharing it, sharing the grace that you have been given. Well, that's a lot easier said than done, Keith. I mean, for crying oh, out loud, right? Yes. You know what I'm right? Oh my gosh, yes. Right. So, so let me ask you. According to Jesus, then, what's our only hope for God's grace? We're talking about grace a lot right now. That's so forgiveness. This, in, right? this, this is and about what forgiveness. Is, what yes. is our only hope then? Well, for God's grace? look at what he says, and I'll be interested to hear. I'll, 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 I'll make this comment, and interested to get your your response to this. He says, "Father, forgive them." For they do not know what they are doing. Yeah. Okay, so 
they know what they're doing in that they know how to crucify, uh, and they know well, that the they Romans are, are efficient at that. Right, yeah. they're really good at this. Right. They, did this so they had a team of guys that did this. That's pretty much all they did. Right. Uh, they had this down to clockwork. This is and, how you do it. And the Jewish leaders were were doing were saving their nation from Roman. You know, they they had a host of rationalizations to put this guy on a cross. Guys, sure, this is not In, just a personal vendetta. They they had a lot of other rational. Good point. And so Jesus says uh, this thing, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. And yet they do know a lot of what they're doing. They know that they're crucifying. They know that this guy is going to suffer and die. They know why they're they know they're trying to protect their status and their systems and their control and their power. They know that they're 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 doing that. Uh, They know all of that. And yet Jesus says and it causes us pause, or it should. They don't know what they're doing. So uh, they know all of these things that we've listed, but clearly Jesus is right in that they don't know no. who I really am. That's really what you're saying, isn't they it? They haven't accepted who I really am. And right. if they knew who I really was, really, really am, uh, I find it hard to believe that they would do this right. to me. Uh, yeah. I'm the Son of God. Uh, I am God in the flesh. They're killing God in the flesh. Right. And they don't know that. They don't accept that. They reject that uh, completely. So to volley to you and to get your reaction, there's a lot that we know that we're doing. Right. And yet there's a lot that we don't know what they're doing. And that's, Jesus is like, forgive them because of that part right. that they don't know. Forgive them because of their this portion of ignorance, this right. portion of, of stupidity. And, and, and that's exactly it. I, I mean, I know it was is it, it's kind of a silly thing to say when people cut me off in traffic, right? I get angry and I can't forgive. But then, then God kind of looks in and says, well, do you know why they're in a bigger hurry than you are, Keith? Do you understand right. their situation? And I kind of... And, 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 I, I mean, by no means is anything like this, but then all of a sudden I start thinking, well, maybe they're on their way, especially like if you're near a hospital. Right. Immediately my mind goes to, well, what if their son was in, daughter was in a crash and they're going to the hospital? You know, who am I? Right. You know, and I, and I don't know what I'm doing. I get angry and then I'm like, wait a minute, why am I angry? So these guys, I mean, and I, I, that's just my little my little way of kind of bringing myself into the story because in fact, these guys are are, are, are completely political animals. They're completely power hungry. I, I'm not I'm not excusing their their behavior at all. I'm just saying they had a system, like you said, their systems, their their power, everything, their power base, and and this guy's upsetting the apple cart. But if they took the time to understand why he's upsetting the apple cart and letting go, and I think that's where I really get into the story. Are these guys able to let go of all that they had to see him? Obviously, they're not. They've rejected him all the way forward. In fact, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, and after certain people even witnessed that miracle, if you read it in John chapter 11, immediately after that, certain people who witnessed the miracle ran off to plot his execution. That is incomprehensible that, that you could witness that power to see this this demonstration of of the fact that this is the Son of God, that this is the Lord in the flesh, and and then go off to try to kill him. So it, it speaks to what we know and what we don't know. They're completely convinced that what they know about the situation, about what's needed in the situation, is all that there is to know. 
Uh, and so they act. They're like, this guy's a this guy's a charlatan. This guy's a liar. He's a heretic. Let's kill him. There'll be no cost to us. Right. There'll be nothing but benefit to our system. Right. We get the Romans involved. We hate them, but let's get them involved. They at least in can do this for us. And they can right. execute this for us, literally. Uh, make, they can execute this guy. And uh, here's what we know. That's all there is to know. And Jesus stands up there. and it, it doesn't stand up there. He's nailed up there. And he says, forgive them, Father based on and having to do what they refuse to see, based on their blindness, based on their stupidity. That's our hope. The hope is, you know, that God will forgive us because quite often we act out of complete ignorance. We're complete ignorance. And, and the fact that he says forgive them and he offers forgiveness to them right. is amazing to me. I, I mean, just plain and simple. When he says, Father, forgive them for they, do not, they don't know what they're doing, you just kind of go, well, they seem to think they know what they're doing, right? Don't what do you mean? What do you mean they don't know what they're doing? They know full well what they're doing. No, they don't when you realize they're not accepting of the truth. If they would have fully understood everything that they were doing, it begs the question of whether or not Jesus would have said this because he says, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Right. If they knew that this is the Son of God and we're going to kill him anyhow, this is right. God in the flesh and we're going to abuse him and beat him up, you know, uh, he's forgiving them because they act, it's very ironic and very interesting. He's forgiving them because they've decided that Jesus is a worthless piece of garbage. If they would have decided that he was the son of Almighty God and God in the flesh and still done this, there might not have been any grace for them. Uh, I, I, I find that to be very fascinating thought. All right, I'm going to go down the bunch of What I disagree. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> to a degree, to a point. This is the end of the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're done. Uh, no, okay. Uh, but but I I wonder I wonder if once some part of them realized maybe he's right, but he's not the God we want, so let's get rid of him and God will send another one. Well true that will be more like what we want. Right. Well, well, I we, and because that's something I do, right? God, I don't want this. Take it away. Get right. away get, and, and I kill it. Right. And well, then I think I you're disagreeing. I can agree with that. That's kind of a kind of a, a, a split right. or a kind of a personification or a manifestation, I should say, yeah. of what we're saying, of right. that lack of knowledge right. or lack like, of, of acceptance. Even if this were true, it, it's a truth I can't handle, so we're just going to get rid of this truth. Right. right? But the fact is, is I truly believe, I, I believe it's not true. You know yeah. I mean? They, they, they rationalize it into a, into a I, I don't believe it's not true somehow because he's not who the Bible says he is, although he was completely who the Bible says he was. They just were reading it wrong. They just, and they were reading it wrong because they didn't want to read it. Right. They wanted to be exactly. stupid. Let's skip down to these Roman soldiers, okay? Yeah. And, 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 and because, yeah, because uh, so this is this fantastic scene, and you, just to visualize it is remar rather remarkable because it is a it's a scene where Jesus is bleeding and dying on the cross, and this rabble of soldiers. What they're throwing dice. They're throwing dice for What does clothes. it say? And they cast lots. That's just yes. throwing dice to divide his clothing. Uh, there's some more detail in other readings. Um, what are the what do they do? So the, the what are the Roman soldiers doing? The first thing is they're casting lots for his clothing. But again, let's ask it again. What it, what it, I mean, really, what I'm asking is what's causing them to be like this? You know, they are. So my you pointed out that these guys are. There's probably a team of guys that do this regularly. Yeah, you know, that right. they're just constantly doing. Jesus shows up with any kind of clothing on. 
it's not his anymore because they're stripped down naked. The criminals are stripped down naked, hung on the cross, and left to die. Yeah. Nobody came. Nobody. I. I assume no one would dare come up to a Roman soldier and say, "That's my. That's my son. Can I please have his clothes back?" Right. right. They would probably just get pushed or punched or whatever. Right. 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 And so you kind of sit there and you say, "These guys." probably were giving it up either to take it home to the, their own family if it was good enough or they were going to go sell it or use it somehow right. in some way so they, they are completely oblivious right. to what is actually happening right in my opinion these guys are the ones that just have no idea this is their day-to-day -day. they're just the, the low probably the lowest it's almost like the worst detail you can probably pull in the roman armor army maybe is to have you know stand around watching people die all day right it's no like one, it, it's like a bunch of dogs fighting over the bones in a oh, trash can yeah, or something too. like yeah. that. You know, where they're they're at the foot of the cross, this fantastic moment in 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 history, that the most important moment in history, that when Christ dies, and here we are, the Roman soldiers at the bottom of the cross, you know, uh, fighting over, scrabbling over. You know, some scraps, scraps of, of clothing that may have minimal value. I mean, I think you, they, you're right. They do have some value, whether to be worn or to be sold or to be turned into a, a rag or something like that. That's us. Right. We are, I don't know about you, but I'm there. I am missing half the time I feel like in my life. I'm missing the glory of God because I'm chasing after Good scraps. Point. Exactly. That's the that that's the point. And and they do it because they're completely convinced that Jesus is garbage. Right. This that, has got to be a criminal. This right? is a criminal deserving of death, not deserving to exist in our society. And so, what's the big deal? Let's take his clothing. Yeah. Not only is he going to be dead. It's another Friday. Right. right. It's a, exactly uh, to them. They say, "Hey, I, I clock out in fifteen minutes. Let's right. get this thing done." Um, the, the the obliviousness again. The lack of awareness. The lack of knowledge uh, or consideration. Self examination at all. Uh, even if you didn't believe in Jesus at all, if you're one of the Roman soldiers. It doesn't even occur to you that you don't have enough respect to resist doing this. You're sitting right there on the ground, right underneath his feet, dividing up his clothing. Even if you think this guy's a bum, he's really disrespectful to his family and to everything that is decent about human beings. And yet they do it. And they know? probably and the, I, like I said, I think this is just another Friday for them. They're they're going to do it with the other two thieves that are hanging there, and anybody else that comes across that day or the next day or the day after. They're going to do what they do, and that is we get what we can get while we can get it. I could never be like that. That's what a lot of people will say. Right. I could never be that to Jesus, and yet it is, a, you know, it is a situation, like you just said, where you're just so immersed in what you're doing that it makes you uh, callous. It makes you cold to who Christ is and what he's going through. Right? So, so speaking of callousness, as we wrap up, i got one more question for you. What is the most shocking thing to you in this story? What is the most shocking thing? Well, it's the seven. There's a lot of things going on. It's here. this first phrase that Jesus says, then, in the context in which he says it: "Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing." Again, I say the word that I, you can use the word shocking. I can use the word obnoxious. Right. There's. It doesn't make sense to me. My brain has a hard time uh, wrapping itself around the idea that Jesus would say that in this moment right. uh, under this. Suffering. Uh, it's obnoxious. It's shocking to me. It's shocking that he would say, "Forgive them," right, uh, and mean it. Yeah, exactly, and mean it. It, it because, like, it, you know, we've discussed what he looks like, how, it, what his physical state is, and then here he is saying, "Father, forgive them." I think you're right. I think 
the amazing the amazing grace that it takes for someone to say forgive them in a in a dire extreme situation is the most shocking thing right in, in any situation that that would be the case but certainly in this as he dies on the cross and Christ is calling us to this shocking thing oh, ourselves is, isn't he? to <laughs> share that with others and to accept it uh, and to accept it for ourselves it's really uh, but isn't it so much easier to be the Roman soldier no it is or to be the Sanhedrin or who's sitting there guys? watching this thing and just I win ruin. Yeah. yeah I win and I get to keep things the way I want oh my gosh yeah. uh, absolutely well I, uh, I hope this yeah, I hope this is caused you to think a little bit we're going to be next uh, we're going to be back next week with a second episode uh, having to do with the seven last words of jesus christ and uh, we hope to have you join us then all right see you then thanks thank you so much for joining us this week on megan's old office brought to you by dundee presbyterian church please like subscribe and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dpcomaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at megansoldoffice at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.